Hello and welcome to Outside World Occultism. I'm your host today, I'm Lavender, and with me today are Katya. Hello. F. Hi there. And JT. Yo. Me is out sick. We don't have any new announcement this week, I believe. By the time they're hearing this, it should be well into the release schedule is stable again. So, hi the future. Blame future me if they don't follow through on that. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we can start rambling right into this week's topic. In the new manga Chirekiden, or as it has been like generally translated, Cheating Detective Saturday. Uh, you translated it that way. <laughs> I mean, I wanted the first one, but yeah, there was some space for, you know, interpretation in like which synonym of cheating to use and stuff like that. Oh, really? I mean, literally synonyms, but yeah, it's the most straightforward option and I decided not to go for anything fancier either. I mean, the literal word used is like breaking the rules or not playing by the rules. <laughs> Loose cannon Satori. <laughs> <laughs> Turn in <Yeah>. your badge. <laughs> if someone had some specific confusion about that, yeah, it's just that specific kind of cheating. I think I saw someone probably joking talk about her investigating, like, relationship cheating, which would have been pretty bizarre for a <laughs> Toho comic. And yet a very realistic depiction of private eye work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would have been an interesting place for Tsun to, like, put the first canon relationships. <laughs> that would be quite something... <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Unless the answer to every case is that no one was cheating and everyone loves each other. Yeah. I could roll with that. <laughs> so It's been interesting since it's my first time picking up one of the official manga. I've been doing a bunch of the doujins for a few years now, but Plushte has been handling, I think, pretty much all the official manga in this time. Plushte has done like, basically everything official Toho for a while now. Karsta's Atlas holding aloft the uh, <laughs> skies of the Toho fandom on his mighty shoulders. Yeah. Um, but yeah, partly because there's so much stuff go coming out at the same time, we agreed that I could pick up this one. And I mean, <laughs> it's been nice. You're making this sound like some kind of backroom translator mafia deal, <laughs> which I should add is an actual conspiracy theory in anime fan subbing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The translator in smoke-filled rooms. Yeah, the fan subber cabal were all like a front for the guys from Kami or something. I can't remember who the purported ringleader is meant to be, but like... Oh my god. Apparently, the fan subbers are all in cahoots, and that's why whenever they translate something that angry weeaboos don't like, it's just the conspiracy trying to keep the <laughs> weave down or something. Oh, wow. I'm like one degree of separation from this because I mostly do encoding and that sort of thing that nobody actually cares about in any capacity except for the people who do it. Mm. There is that sort of, and I don't know if it's all a big joke or not, <laughs> but I, it's anime fans. There are some people who have to legitimately believe it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially okay. if they're like getting mad about it. But yeah, mm. there's definitely no translator Illuminati. You'll have to trust us. <laughs> yes, trust the faceless voices <laughs> on the internet speaking to you from afar. There are no yeah. conspiracies here. <laughs> I saw like some individual Redditor being mad, not about any conspiracy or anything, but 
since Klaust mentioning that he wasn't doing Chirekiden came before any sort of information from me, there were one or two people who believed that it wasn't getting translated at all, which is a, I mean, ridiculous idea, but, and somehow blaming him for it or whatever, but it was just one or two individual people and everyone around them telling to shut the fuck up and stop being entitled. <laughs> <laughs> so that was actually kind of nice to watch in a sense. If Klaus doesn't pick up the Toho work, then it just goes completely untranslated. Nobody else cares about it. Yeah. There's just absolutely... Yeah. Every translator in the world is actually just Klaus operating <laughs> a sophisticated botnet mm. of people to translate. And so when Klaus outright says that this isn't getting translated, you can bet that anytime someone thinks about getting picked up, there's like some Klaus Terminators descending upon their house. And... <laughs> This is an interesting conversation to have that he's probably going to be listening to when this episode comes out. <laughs> Shout out to Klarst. Uh, please don't kill us with your robotic replicas. We just <laughs> had that whole clone thing go down and I really don't need more entities that look like me in the world. There can be only one. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, obviously they like translation process for a official manga isn't any different. It isn't an especially difficult one or anything. It's just inherently more stressful to feel like I'm responsible for something that someone five years from now is going to be quoting at some poor Tumblr user. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also it is the resource that we are using to speak on this topic. So I feel like there's a lot of expectations there, but I think you did a great job and it was a lot of fun to read. Yeah, thanks. So let's actually talk about cheating Detective Satori. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's like a murder mystery thing, right? Like something happens. In this case, Patchouli is dead. <laughs> Again. Okay, if you say so. I can't believe Patchouli <laughs> knowledge is fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> the comic opens up with Patchouli, like, at her desk, books scattered everywhere, a cup of tea spilled across the desk, and she's dead. Classic murder mystery setup. But, you know, she's alright, actually. She's just unconscious. She's just slipping. <laughs> yeah. Patchouli knowledge never died. She just tucked her arms and legs under her belly and rolled away. Yeah, when the library is in its hour of greatest peril, she will return from beneath the stacks and lead its defense. Hmm. <laughs> I guess it's something to do with some kind of poison that, like, seals her magic or whatever. Yeah, that was the theory going around anyway. I mean, Romilia's theory in character. Considering that Patchouli is a being whose life force is magic, like she's powered by magic, that's not a good thing for her, even if she is not actually dead. Yeah, it's basically a coma. She's getting better! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can get better from a coma. So it opens up on this very dramatic murder mystery setup scene. I do like that you can kind of tell just from basic setup that Zun really loves murder mysteries. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The art is done by, I know the artist as Jin Fragrance. That's the username on Tumblr and Twitter. The name they're accredited by is Gin Moxay. 
Yeah, so I'm wondering, is it actually gin fragrance or gin fragrance? Because gin means like silver, right? But also, when I think of gin fragrance, I think of, you know, like the smell of gin or something, like it's an alcohol <laughs> reference. Well, I mean, obviously the Japanese name credited is Ryan in kanji, so I can only assume that it's a hard gi. Because the G and J sounds like all Japanese G is hard. Yeah. Because yeah. there isn't like a soft G sound. The closest they have is the, you know, G. Yeah. Which is J or Z, depending on what romanization scheme you use. Yeah. Obviously, since the username already has some, like, pseudo, well, not English, I guess French or whatever thrown in, then I guess it's up to you how to read the Jin fragrance or Gin fragrance, but... Choose your own adventure. Obviously, the Japanese name is Gin. So, yeah, this is an artist that I was really excited about to hear that they got picked up as the artist on this, because I've been following their work for a while, and they do, like, you know, these really beautiful, soft lighting paintings of Toho characters. But a thing that stuck out to me was they don't really do backgrounds in their paintings so much, and I was wondering how that would be dealt with in the manga. <laughs> And the answer to that is really just, they don't. Most of the backgrounds are very, like... Minimalist? Yeah, minimalist or not very detailed or just, like, large expanses. Koopa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to deny that from what I've seen of their art. The first chapter is kind of rough in general. Yeah, I think that's kind of expected, though. Like, you can't expect painterly quality from a whole manga. Like, you can't expect the same level of quality as you would from, like, a single painting that uh, they can work on for as long as they like. And they, they have some doujins out, too. And they have, like, really nice pencil art. Like, more complicated and much better backgrounds, for instance, than Churekiden. So I can only hope that they can adjust to the whole manga schedule and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think that is, you know, eventually what's going to end up happening. I mean, like, look at Wild and Horned Hermit and how <laughs> yeah. its art has evolved over the years. Basically, in Trekiden's case, I think we can agree that the character art is really nice for the most part. Yeah, it's really cute. I like it a lot. There's no real problem there. Maybe some pencil art is a bit rougher on the edges somewhere, but in general, the designs and stuff like that are really nice. I can just hope that they, like, get the rest of it together, basically. <laughs> it's a very solid foundation for the manga to be built on. I think it's better off than Wild Unturned Hermit was at this time of its run. It's definitely doing better than Sengetsusei was in its, you know, early Hirosaka chapters. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a dumpster fire or anything. It's Yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, it's different than their doujins, and I hope that it can eventually, like, approach their doujin art. Anyway, back to the story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rainbow and Marisa is the next scene. We kind of see, like, Marisa's like, oh, God, I got to tell her this is really important. And she is like, Rainbow, you'll never guess what happened. Someone got murdered at the Scarlet Devil <laughs> Mansion. That sounds a bit more excited than I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Raymu, holy shit! <laughs> okay, she's not losing her mind or anything, but she's like, hey, I've got some hot gossip for you. <laughs> hey, Gamshu, what's the scoop? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never guess who died. Yeah, basically. I love that, you know, anytime like a new character gets introduced in a manga, they get a title. 
they get like a little border with their title and name and stuff in it. In this one, Rayma and Marisa are shrine maiden detective and magic detective of the forest. Yeah. And I love that. They've been assigned detective by the narrative. Yeah. Like this first chapter, the point that Sakuya makes to Remu ends up, ends up being that since this is a case, like a murder case and not an incident, it's out of her purview. And if anything, she's actually one of the like most likely suspects, or at least so Sakuya is, is just trolling her anyway. But basically, I think the fact that they're given these detective titles kind of implies that down the road, they're gonna become more involved in the cases too. Yeah, I think it's sort of setting them up to sort of be, like, in competition with Satori. Yeah, whether that makes them, like, Lestrade or more competent. (laughs) Yeah, because there's a lot of different ways that the quote-unquote authorities are portrayed in detective fiction. And (laughs) as, you know, you might recall from our Dolls in Pseudo Paradise episode and reading any interview with him ever, Zun is a huge fan of, like, the Western detective fiction as, like, a classical genre. And we have seen Remo just, like, pull out, like, a deerstalker hat in, like, comedy bits before. (laughs) There's gonna be a lot of, I think, influence from Sherlock Holmes and Agatha Christie stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think they're getting set up as sort of this competition for Satori down the line. Or maybe they're going to be trying to, like, scoop the cases before she can figure them out or something. Because the setup is that Satori is, you know, this super awesome detective who's really great at her job because she can read minds. But we'll get to Satori in a little bit because she hasn't showed up in the story yet. So we cut to the Scarlet Devil Mansion where Raymu just kind of casually strolls in because nobody's got in the front gate and it's wide open. And she just kind of wanders through these like inhumanly large hallways that have like no sense of scale. And I think that's probably the artist's like difficulty <laughs> with backgrounds. But like, I can also believe that the Scarlet Devil Mansion is just like that on the inside. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I didn't really pay attention to it, but good point yeah like the halls are just cavernous and she walks through this like random room that there's just like a gigantic magic circle on the floor for no reason i think that's the room that tends to get featured in every other scarlet level mansion story because it shows up in the fighting games as an arena yeah it's a very dramatic set piece some kind of weird wizard foyer sort of thing (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the arcane counterpart to the lawyer foyer Someone asked me or pointed out to me that there's like a fairy made with, I think, devil wings in one of the backgrounds. And I mean, as if I'm supposed to know, ask me <laughs> if it's a devil made or a fairy made in a cosplay. I mean, it's a good eye. Nice, nice find. I guess that's something I'll have to get used to. Like, obviously, I appreciate people paying attention to me but uh it's gonna be interesting trying to answer questions that you have no special readiness to answer any better than the average reader yeah i'm, I'm looking at that image now and yeah there is a fairy there with like uh bat wings or double wings yeah i think there's probably just a bunch of fairies like that in the mansion like i don't think she's anyone special like i think as a matter of fact that she's kind of there to point out that wakama isn't anything special <laughs> or notable in the mansion because she never was meant to be anyone, right? She was just a nameless mid-boss. I feel like this sort of reinforces that a little bit. I mm. can't believe we, you know, started talking about this without hating on Scar- EOSD, but... 
<laughs> the thing is, though, that this is an EOSD use that I don't actually object to because they're interacting with non-EOSD characters. Yeah. My recurring beef with Embodiment of Scarlet Devil fans, as distinguished from broader <laughs> Toho fans, is that a large amount of EOSD content is EOSD characters and then maybe Remu or Marisa and no one else. You're more likely to see, like, Rumia than Sane or Yomu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have a problem with Sun deciding to use them for something. Because obviously he doesn't like overuse them, far from it. If he wants to throw them into the tutorial chapter of the <laughs> new manga and then never show them again, probably then, oh yeah, that's fine with me. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be like a recurring character. Like every time the Scarlet Devil crew has shown up in the manga or whatever, then generally that specific chapter and then maybe they'll like Sakuya will show up in other chapters just like running errands or whatever. Like With the exception of Silent Sinner anyway. Well, yeah. yeah. This format is kind of inherently going to have a lot of rotating casts, <laughs> different group for most cases probably. Unless people just keep dying in the Scarlet Devil mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So, which I don't think is the most likely outcome, as funny as it would be for it just yeah. to be. Oh, they died in the Scarlet Devil Mansion again. But what was Letty doing there? Revelia <laughs> <laughs> opens the shadiest B and B since World's Fair era Chicago. up with Sakuya, who is wearing a very non-Sakuya, a completely ordinary maid outfit, which hmm. was kind of surprising to me. Like, she's not wearing her usual maid outfit with, like, the short skirt or anything. Honestly, I like it. It looks good on her. She's got, like, the headband and full maid dress. It looks good. It's cute. Her braids are, like, three feet long. I like how all the manga artists always do their own designs for the characters. Yeah, it's good. These small variations on their clothing and stuff like that. Yeah, we get to see their own takes on it. And I'm wondering if this is just how she's always going to dress or if we're going to see her like regular outfit at some point. It's the exact same outfit except the like length of the skirt keep changing back and forth. <laughs> Yeah. She just time stop teleports over to her closet every time she comes back into the full panel. She's wearing a different skirt. Because <laughs> let's be honest, if you could stop time, would you not just constantly be switching out your outfit to mess with people? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, Sakuya is looking more elegant than usual. And her title in this is Perfect and Elegant Maid. Uh, very, very succinct. I think that's just classic Sakuya. Yeah. And she explains to Reimu that there was a crime, Patchouli's gonna be fine, she's not dead, but it was still an attempted murder, and explains that this isn't Reimu's job to figure out because case, not an incident. She makes a kind of a good point that in most of the incidents, even when the culprit isn't like dancing around and announcing their guilt, usually they're not that hard to find just by Remu flying around and beating up people <laughs> until they find the right one. There's not really an effort to conceal anything in the classical incident framework. Yeah. The main difference that Sequoia makes between a case and an incident is an incident is like large scale and indiscriminate generally. Whereas a case is, uh, I mean, obviously a criminal case, like someone uh, targeting a specific person with a crime that they intend to get away with. Which is why, I mean, yeah, Remu probably isn't actually that good at solving those. <laughs> Apart from maybe blind luck or anything. I feel like we've seen her do a little bit of detective work in like Forbidden Scrollery. 
I mean, fair. I mean, mostly she was doing that to, like, hunt down yokai, though. Yeah. So I don't know how good she is at resolving, like, interpersonal crimes, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I guess there's a good chance that any given murder in Gensokyo is done by a yokai anyway. <laughs> Especially at the Scarlet Devil Mansion. Even though it seems like this specific one wasn't. Yeah. Against the odds. <laughs> we choose to fight. Blossom Dance. Sorry. My Xenoblade fan got ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I do want to say, though, I do really like Raymond's little tie clip. Oh, yeah. She's just got, like, a little yin-yang tie clip. It's good. That's another one of the little random touches that this artist has put on the character, and I like it. So Sakuya is like, is there any reason to believe that you're not the culprit? Which is fair. Yeah, I guess there's a reason to suspect that a yokai getting injured is somehow Reimu's fault. But I feel like Reimu's <laughs> not the type to really use like subterfuge or poison. <laughs> yeah, Reimu is more likely to just kind of punch you in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also as she says herself, she's basically forgotten about the USD already. Yeah, so this establishes that the Scarlet Mist incident was ages ago, like so long that Reimu can barely remember it or doesn't care to really remember the details of it. Relatable. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not something that's fresh in her mind at all. And Sakuya says that this case has been picked up by an extremely skilled detective anyway, so Reimu's services are not needed. And it's not like anyone would trust her anyway, would they, Miss Yokai Exterminator? Then we cut to a cat girl. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like a random cat girl? <laughs> we cut to Oren, who is interviewing Mei Ling. And she's the detective's assistant. She's the ultimate detective's assistant. Cat, in fact. That's her title. As one does. <laughs> so we get a little bit of meme mailing here. Oren is interviewing her, and she asks, like, oh, how come the gate was open and the gatekeeper was nowhere to be seen? And Mailing's like, well, uh, I was slacking off. I took a nap. <laughs> and admits that she mostly naps. She doesn't really guard the gate. Word for word, she says that she pretty much does it every day, which doesn't mean that she does it all the time, but I think that part really stood out to a lot of people as soon writing meme mailing. It wasn't canon in, like, EOSD, but it has been referenced since, I think, Perfect Memento, that mailing sleeps at work, and even though I think it is, like, ascended fanon in the sense that the fans came up with it before Zone did, he hasn't really, like, shied away from also mentioning it offhand. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with her being a slacker who sleeps on the job sometimes, or the fact that it came from, like, the memes. I just do think it's funny that it's played, like, very straightforwardly. Like, we don't really see a new side to mailing here. She's just the same old mailing. Yeah, which is kind of a shame, I guess. Yeah. She's a very straightforward character, though. That's true. And that's sort of her role in the broader cast there, too, is as the straightforward one. Yeah, it would be nice though like embodiment of scarlet devil came out a million years ago and mailing's last appearance was fighting a giant catfish and it turned out to be just a dream yeah her story was literally a joke in fighting game i mean it's pretty clear that soon that doesn't really care yeah like i don't think that mailing is a character that soon has like a lot of feelings about in his interviews he said i thought it would be funny to have a chinese girl show up at a western mansion in a game called eastern project like essentially her character design was put in as a funny joke yeah. Which is also notable because she's one of the few uncategorized yokai in Windows. 
Yeah, she's just the capital Y yokai. Doing stuff. A lot of fans obviously like de-meme and salvage mailing <laughs> as a try to dress up as a dragon in disguise or something similarly grand. But I think like characterization in Perfect Memento is plenty. She's not that strong in yokai terms, but she's still stronger than a human and she spent her life training martial arts. Yeah. So all the martial artists from the village dream of defeating her one day. Yeah, her job is not so much to be like the perfect unassailable gatekeeper. It's more like to be a bouncer for the mansion. She's basically the yokai version of you must be this tall to enter. Yeah, like she, her job <laughs> is to keep the rabble out. If anyone can get past her, then they're probably interesting enough to be allowed in and dealt with by Sakuya anyway, or even Romelia, because, I mean, Romelia's bored, like, all the time, so I don't think she would be interested in just keeping everyone out forever. So, yeah, Mailing's just kind of a supernatural bouncer. Yeah. She's the classical first boss in a video game that you need to beat to get into the actual place. Yeah. Mm. As for the actual interviewing the witnesses that Oren is doing, I think we're gonna get some more details about what's the normal procedure for them. But the way she puts it is that she goes out to get statements and get her information and then Satori comes out and if people's thoughts don't match their statements, then she knows that they're lying and can suspect them. But obviously that sounds like a kind of convoluted way to do it. Yeah, I think that was mostly like Oren kind of like putting pressure on mailing like you know my boss can read minds and I can tell that you're lying so you gotta tell the truth or else she'll have to come up and I don't think that Satori's ever gonna leave her damn house yeah she's not the type to go outside really <laughs> yeah basically so I'm very interested in seeing how the mind reading is going to work but my theory on it is that she just reads Oren's mind to see like her memories of like all of the interviews and stuff yeah and basically uses that to piece together the case she's basically conducting these interviews remotely without everyone being like oh god she can read my mind and you know the issues that would arise as a result of that yeah and that's the like cheating part it's not that she's going out and reading the people's minds it's just that she's being an armchair detective which is actually her title here <laughs> And solving all the cases from her desk without ever going out. Yeah. It's implied, I think, that this isn't how they usually do it. I suppose it's established that Satori and Orin as her assistant usually solve these cases underground. Where there's a lot of fights, a lot of killings probably with the Oni and whatnot. Yeah, people get murked in former hell all the time apparently, which makes sense. Yeah, and she usually steps in to take care of it. I think that since Oren seemed surprised when Satori just gives her the answer without leaving her desk, that's probably a new thing. That's not how they do it when they deal with underground cases. Yeah, I think probably Satori is willing to leave her house to just like wander around hell and look at dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, I think it was shown in Goyoku and now in one or two panels here that the actual village around Satori is deserted because no one likes to live there. <laughs> <laughs> the real oh. estate values are through the floor. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like a literal ghost town or a phantom town, I guess. So, Chirakiden so far seems to be a fairly straightforward reference to the Nero Wolf novels and short stories by Rex Stout. Oh, really? Mm. Those are like classic mystery stories from the like mid 20th century. They're like one step away from film noir and hard-boiled, but one step away from, like, Sherlock Holmes. Um, so the title character is the Detective, who is a very uh, heavy guy who doesn't like to leave his house ever for any reason. So mm-hmm. he has the protagonist, who is the viewpoint character, do all the legwork of investigating crimes and murders and so on. And then when everything gets settled down, he has his legworker drag the suspects into the house and then interrogates them personally. So I think that's like the like implied setup, and then Zun fiddles with that by having Satori be so brilliant that she solves the case without ever having to actually interrogate anybody directly. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if we'll ever see anyone dragged into the palace of Earth Spirits. <laughs> dragged um, to hell. Wheelbarrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it just brings them in on the wheelbarrow and like unceremoniously dumps them on the floor in front of Satori. <laughs> yeah. So the next scene, Romelia gently slaps Petroli's face. <laughs> Slap. Petroli's looking very comfy. Romelia is just kind of worried about her and very concerned, which is interesting because like Romelia doesn't, you know, usually strike me as the type to really be concerned about anyone, but it has been mentioned before that Petroli is like her close friend. That's why she, you know, lives in the mansion despite not really having any connection to most of the characters really. She's just kind of Romelia's like cool wizard friend. Yeah, I mean by elimination probably her best friend. Yeah. Maybe even her only friend, honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Everyone goes really quiet when she mentions it. Like, her other friends. Sakuya looks the other way. <laughs> her friend's back in Canada, where she came from. <laughs> also, Romelia has little caps on her wings, which are very cute. Romelia's design in this is adorable. Yeah, she has free hats. <laughs> Yeah, she's just got like little doilies on her wings. Makes sense. Also, she's got like a little rose detail on her dress, which reminds me of the Komeji's, and mm. that was interesting to me. Because the Scarlet Komeji comparison has been made a lot in fandom, and I feel like a lot of people came out of this chapter wondering if we'd get any direct commentary on that, but I think Satori not coming to the surface pretty much torpedoes that. I doubt they're going to be having any long and detailed conversations. I don't think that the Scarlets and the Komejis are going to really have any interaction, but I do think it's really interesting that in this first chapter of the manga, like, those are the two kind of, like, big Toho, like, I don't know, factions, I guess you could say. They're sort of the two isolated Toho factions, more than just their size. Because there's, you know, the Buddhists, the Taoists, the Moria's, the Ayente crowd, but they're all much more interconnected, whereas the Chiraiden crew live in a hole and... And the Scarlet Devil Mansion exists in a narrative abyss. <laughs> That's another case for Sun just taking this opportunity to torpedo everything you can about the Scarlet Devil Mansion. Like Remu mentions that they're like pretty shut in and don't really interact with people. I mean, it is kind of a 
scary place so people tend to stay away but also yeah they do keep the rabble out basically but yeah like I think there's a lot of interesting comparisons to be made between the Satori's well, I guess they are at Satori's. That is their species. The Scarlet's and the Komeji's, the older sister, master of the house, and so on, lives in a huge mansion. And then her, like, sort of troubled little sister. I'm really wondering if we're going to see Koishi at some point in this. I certainly hope so, because I love Koishi. <laughs> yeah, and I hope for more Dreden representation in general, obviously. Yeah. We don't see Utsuho, we don't see Koishi, we only see Satori and Oren. We don't really see anyone else from subterranean animism at all, but yeah. I think because the Komeijis are, you know, certainly Satori is the main character of this, really, we're going to hopefully get some of that interaction. Yeah, it takes some, like, intentional acrobatics not to bring them up at some point. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, with Koishi, like, you can easily just be like, she's off doing whatever, nobody knows where she is, and she's not really remembered by anyone aside from her sister anyway. Yeah. I, I think it's gonna have to come up at some point. I wonder if maybe it'll be like a thing where Satori has to suspect her little sister of a crime. That is a <laughs> another classic sort of detective fiction staple, right? You know, here's the detective's family member who's actually caught up in the crime. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, I, I kind of have some warning bells when I hear even the concept of a comic about Koishi being involved in a crime because that's <laughs> such a... <laughs> one of the most tiring, to be honest, and really overused characterizations. Yeah, for sure. I think that if Tsun did it, obviously it wouldn't be the fanon psycho Koishi or anything. It's just the word association, you know. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Koishi is suspected for... Like stealing somebody's precious uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was the phrase I was specifically avoiding, but. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think that Koishi is actually going to be like, you know, some kind of serial killer or anything like that. I'm just saying that maybe there's going to be a moment where Satori has to consider the possibility that her darling little sister is responsible for yeah. something horrible and it'll be like a moment of trauma i don't know if this comic is willing to go like that dark i guess but we'll see i mean the series is unlikely to have a lot of actual murder for instance yeah. which is kind of interesting to do a detective series with an established cast like this where any inside job, which most of them are probably going to be, is first off not going to be a murder because, I mean, no named character is going to die. Obviously, there can be some, like, newly introduced nameless villagers or something if necessary. Yeah. I really doubt that any in-group is going to be split up because someone actually meant to hurt any other. So if there are more of these, like, inside jobs, then they're probably gonna have some like special explanations or be accidents or just, I don't know, I guess in some cases they can just laugh it off and it, even if it was serious, but... <laughs> I mean, Toho is the series that that would happen in. Yeah. I'm waiting for the one where the residents of Ante hire her to find out who killed Kaguya and Moko is just there taking credit the entire time. <laughs> yeah. And Satori is just like, this is too easy, this is boring, I need to make sure somebody else isn't. It's just like, nope, I just killed her. I killed her good. She's going to get me again. 
Oh mm. my god. Just really bringing out all of the old characterizations for this one. Yeah. This format is going to be interesting in the sense of like visiting a lot of characters. Obviously, there's always going to be Satori and Ori in the center, but I would assume that compared to any of the other manga, they're going to be in every case dealing with different characters. Yeah. It won't be a central cast and some guests. It's going to be the main characters as guests in different scenarios. Mm. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about this a little bit when we were discussing um, Lotus Eaters a couple episodes back. Yeah. I do think that a bunch of like sort of short vignettes is honestly the way to go for Zen as far as writing stories goes. But I'm wondering how much room that leaves for character growth. And I'm wondering if that's even something he cares about or is interested in right now. Yeah. Like if anyone has a character arc in this, it's going to be like Satori probably. I mean, so far it's a rare Toho manga without any new characters. Yeah. Lotus Eaters has the pink whale hat girl. This is, there's like no original character. I'm wondering if maybe either Satori will maybe have some kind of character arc or maybe we'll get to see sort of new developments in various characters as cases progress and get resolved maybe you know like why did you do this thing here's my tragic backstory or whatever yeah I think that looking at previous manga almost any appearance from an old character is going to bring some detail that at least fans of that character are going to be happy about for mailing it was her outfit and that I was mean it. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Mailing didn't really have anything much besides a nice new design. I don't really think that she needed much more, though. Yeah, fair. Sorry to the mailing fam. <laughs> Sakuya? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we kind of wandered off a little bit from yeah. what we were talking about, which was Koishi, but... Oh, that's what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we went through a few, but at this point we've had one chapter. The second one will be out, I believe, the week after we recorded this, so... Yeah. yeah, I mean, two days from when we record this. In the interest of not eating too much crow, we probably shouldn't speculate that much further right now. I just brought up Koishi again because I wanted to talk about the other little sister in this manga. Yeah. We get to see Flandre again. She gets a speaking line for the first time in 14 years. Yeah. Um, now Alice is the biggest early Windows character to never have a line again. Yeah, and that's like 10 years and counting right now. So if Alice does her best and works hard, maybe in four years she'll get a speaking line. Yeah. But yeah, so basically Romilia thinks for some reason that Flandre might be involved. I don't know if she's making the connection that Flandre would have destroyed Patchouli's magical energy or something like that, if she can do that. Well, the thing is, Romilia and Flandre don't actually like each other very much. Yeah. I don't know that they don't like each other. I think they have like this feeling of awkwardness and distance between them. Yeah, that's probably fair. Like, yeah. they're just like not very close, but they're still together because they're family. That creates this very awkward feeling between them. Yeah. Romilia stomps into the cellar and wakes up Flandre in the middle of her afternoon sleep, apparently. And is kind of coy about it, but seems to suspect her or something. Yeah. Which is kind of what the like cliffhanger drops on. Yeah, like Flandre's like, oh, you think I did it? And Romilia's like, oh, who knows? I don't know, maybe. Very vague about it. But I think the most important takeaway from disappearance by Flandre is that it further confirms that the Scarlet Sisters sleep in coffins that are placed on top of like just like frilly <laughs> princess beds. 
Yeah, I also remember they didn't really like specifically deny that in some conversation somewhere. <laughs> like, of course we don't sleep in coffins. We sleep in a bed like a normal person, <laughs> but there's also just a coffin in the bed that I also sleep in. <laughs> Obviously, Flandre only has a few lines, yeah, and none of them are like extremely informative. But uh, one line that actually said something was one of the more difficult ones for my paranoid ass to translate in this one. I kept like waffling back and forth on the word choice. Which line was that? One of Flandre's bubbles. I don't actually have it open right now. But the one where she's like, I might get to go wild for the first time in a while. Oh. I kept being really unsure, like, how intense of a word should I use for going wild in this case? <laughs> Get to raise a ruckus for the first time in a while. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little confused about what she means by that. Yeah, obviously that made it harder too. Like, why would Petuli being dead, but not really dead, mean that Flandre gets to go crazy, go stupid? In Embodiment of Scarlet Devil, remember, Petuli is the one who created the rain that kept Flandre in the house when she was let out of the basement. Oh, that's right. Oh, that too. That's actually a really good take, because mine was just that if people are suspecting her of murder then she'll have an excuse to fight people again that's also interesting but yeah that rain take is actually something i didn't even think of <laughs> i kind of took it as like fighting words like she's about to get up and tackle romilia because apparently she's a murderer now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah in context it's mostly snark anyway i do like that she's just like thank you for suspecting me romilia probably doesn't really visit flan all that often I think Flan's pretty lonely. Like, you know, she's always locked in the house and her sister seems to avoid her. She's just kind of this socially maladjusted baby with destructive tendencies. Yeah. People tend to sort of uh, flanderize her as <coughs> this, like, sort of insane psychopath or whatever. But that doesn't track at all with her character, honestly. Like, I feel like she's just, like, anytime she's, like, actually responsible for something, it's just kind of her acting out out of frustration with like her situation yeah flanderize is a very fitting choice of words <laughs> she's really more of a sassy teenager than anything as far as how she acts she's like basically a mixture of a 10 year old and an angsty teen yeah yeah and since it's like intentionally vague what's going on here i assume that it's going to get more detail in the next chapter yeah so this chapter finishes with Orin going back home and saying hi to mom and we get to see satori for the first time her design is very cute whoa what's this new character <laughs> Never seen her. Yeah, Orin just kind of gives her her notebook and she flips through it really quickly and she's like, Well, I've solved the case. Sakuya did it. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, there's literally a panel right after she reveals that Sakuya did it where Orin just has this very surprised expression on her face and <coughs> you can hear the dramatic musical sting. Yeah, I don't remember who it was who compared it to the Pikachu face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Surprised Pikachu face. That meme for me will always be the dramatic chipmunk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm just showing my age by remembering that. You are. <laughs> it's similar, but not the same. 
But yeah, that's pretty much, well, that's yeah. literally the end of the chapter. Yeah, she's just like, does she not even need to use her ability? She's so cool. Yeah. I think everything about Satori and Orion's interactions is going to be a lot funnier with the mental image that based on her, like, cross review and everything, Satori does literally think of them as pets. Yeah. So it's literally her cat coming home and, well, okay, this cat is handing her a notebook and all that. But anyway, <laughs> it's going to be... Funny to think of Orin as being a little cat from Satori's perspective. Yeah. She, we've sort of gotten to the end of the first chapter and we don't have the second one yet. Yeah, yeah we're doing I mean... this two days before the next chapter comes out where we presumably find out why Sakuya did it. And what she did, really. Sakuya's been feeding Patchouli Mercury for decades. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to take a stab at her motivation, maybe? Hmm. I think it's some experiment of Patchouli's that she didn't tell Romelia about, and then she didn't tell Sakuya to tell Romelia about it, and Sakuya, being the gremlin that she is, is not going to tell anyone <laughs> just because she thinks it's funny. That's my theory. <laughs> I think regardless of what the actual motivation behind it is, it is going to come down to Sakuya's horrible personality <laughs> just being a complete obstacle to this being resolved in a like normal way. I think it's reasonable to assume that it's probably something involving Patchouli herself because, you know, for the reasons mentioned, Sakuya is probably not going to be actually trying to harm anyone else at the mansion. Yeah. So it's either Patchouli causing it herself somehow and Sakuya being the culprit somehow anyway <laughs> or Sakuya like doing it for some obscure reason for Patchouli's own good or something. So the things I'm wondering about are like the door has been locked from the inside and the lock was broken it's like heavily like scratched up and there's just books scattered all over the place including in like a perfectly like geometric pattern around patchouli yeah that stood out to me too i was starting to wonder if it's going to be some sort of freak ritual or something <laughs> <laughs> patchouli trying to summon good rolls from the gacha when she is ambushed by sakuya <laughs> Yeah. The reason Patchouli went unconscious is that she transformed her magical energy into gacha currency. <laughs> True alchemy. <laughs> so obviously some kind of weird magic is involved. So I do think that Patchouli is involved. Like it wasn't like some kind of sneak attack or like she wasn't... I don't even know if she was actually poisoned. I think the teacup is just spilled for dramatic effect because she went unconscious. Yeah. In the end, I think the only one to bring up poison is Marisa. Yeah. Who's really, you know, familiar with it. She's just there to misdirect us. Has an interesting relationship with poison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's our first assumption. Yeah, I guess another small detail that I wanted to point out that stood out to me was Patchouli's desk at Rolls. It's like a little half moon present with no legs, or at least it doesn't appear to have legs. It just looks like a half moon present that's like floating there. I guess hmm. it's not really a half moon, but um, anyway, you know, it's a moon shape, whatever. What do you want from me? <laughs> so in two days, this episode is going to be out long after the chapter yeah. itself comes out. Yeah. On that note, you can read the manga itself at Mangadex. And I've made a separate Tumblr account for sharing new chapters and answering questions, which is chirekiden.tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just chirekiden, really. Yeah. We'll have it in a link on the podcast description. Yeah. yeah. So come ask me your dumb questions that I can't answer or 
you know, something I can answer or just talk about it or whatever. Yeah. Or ask all of us your dumb questions. <laughs> which, do we have mailbag this week? We do we have did. a mailbag question, actually. Did we want to talk about the doujins that are released alongside this, or do we not want to worry about that right now? I think that could be a good thing for once we have a couple more chapters of them, because... Okay, then we can table those for another time. Yeah, so, we we definitely would ramble about them for like an, another episode's worth. Yeah, this is a question that I actually haven't had time to think about, but it's, it'll be fun to think of it on the spot. Or you can just edit out the 20 minutes of me thinking about it. <laughs> this question comes from Anonymous, who says, What are your favorite flowery and poetic Toho titles? Game titles, music titles, manga titles, spell card titles, any Toho titles, really. Mine has to be the Gensokyo, The God's Love, mm. which is a song title, I think, right? Yeah. Nitori's stage theme. Yeah. Because of the name, it sometimes end up being used as, like, the theme of Gensokyo or whatever. Yeah. I think it's the Memories of Phantasm opening song because of that. That is a very nice title. Yeah, and a nice song. But um, I guess I like both of Mako's themes, really. They both have cool names. Reach for the Moon, Immortal Smoke. Yeah, and Extend Ash, Horai Victim. Or really, I think, again, I don't really have it open in front of me, but I think it's like Horai person, like Horai Jin or whatever. Yeah. But the Horai victim is a, I mean, it's a bold translation, but it's an interesting one. It's a nice touch. It's a good one. Yeah, it makes sense. Extend Ash is an interesting title. Well, I mean, isn't that what the Pokemon anime has been doing for years and years now? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's gotten a little shorter, actually. <laughs> the Horai Elixir would explain that to me. <laughs> Anyway, I'm quite partial to Gensokyo Millennium History of the Moon and then Gensokyo Past and Present Flower Land are sort of my flowery song titles. <laughs> Literally flowery. Also, just like some of the Japanese names for the works and stuff, like if you translate, it's like Toho Endless Night Vignette or something, Imperishable yeah. Night. Like, some of the game titles are pretty out there. It's just that we don't normally think of them as whole things translated. Yeah. Like, Eastern Scarlet Devil Mansion, Embodiment of Scarlet Devil, that sort of thing. It gets kind of... The game titles are actually... And Zun does a lot of stuff yeah. with, like, he's carefully picking out his kanji and all of that. Actually, before you get yelled at, the EOSD is actually Koma Kyo, which is basically Land of the Scarlet Devil with the same word as Gensokyo. Ah, okay. All right, I was using my wrong uh, one syllable <laughs> two. Well, yeah. I guess two ones, one syllable, two more words starting with K. Subterranean animism, for instance, is just Chiridan, I think. Yes. With the same kanji and everything. That was what got my wires crossed. I'm still thinking about this for a little bit, but as far as extremely flowery spell card titles, it's very hard to beat Yuyuko's. Mm, true that, yeah. <laughs> Just like all of her spell cards are very dramatic. But if anyone else has one while I'm thinking, by all means. My favorite song title is probably, well, I have a specific one, but definitely 
solar sect of mystic wisdom, nuclear fusion is very flowery. <laughs> and I think a little disputed. I think what you said is the more common one, but I always get them crossed. Mystic sect of solar wisdom? Yeah, that can be read in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those ones where the English and Japanese ways of handling descriptions don't line up to a one-to-one -one reading. Yeah, if I remember correctly, because there's obviously no spaces in kanji, and especially when you're just making a short snappy title, you don't bother with grammar, so it can be hard to say if you have three kanji, which ones are supposed to be one word and which is another. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think there's some like to throw the word agnostic in there, for instance. <laughs> yeah, I have seen that before. But I think that's the less used one these days. Probably if you look on YouTube, you can find like a lot of both names. Yeah, I do really like Keiki's like title, The Sculptor Gone mm. Crafted by Utter Isolation. It's very dramatic. I mean, her song title is cool too. Yeah, it's like entrusting this world to idols, idolatrize world or something like that. Mm -hmm. Idolatrize is a somewhat obscure but very real English word too. I actually didn't realize that. I thought it was like a weird like... Yeah, Zen definitely looked it up in a dictionary or something, but it's <laughs> used to refer to the act of worshipping idols as opposed oh. to idolization as in like treating a living person as an idol. Oh, yeah. I see. It's the verb version of idolatry. Yeah, yes. exactly. That makes sense. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the verb version either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not something that people talk about very much outside of like... <laughs> theological contexts. Even then, I think it's obscure enough that most people would say, like, practice idolatry. Oh, yeah, for something. sure. It's like, it's it's that weird. Because, well, you talk about practicing idolatry, right? Because that's what the person is doing. Whereas if you idolatrize X, would be you are practicing idolatry with a specific focus, which is outside of, like, theological call-out posts. <laughs> Not really something that is discussed in specific. It's usually only relevant that it's idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than what is being idolatrized. I do also really love the names of a lot of Marisa's spell cards. I think my favorite is probably Stardust Reverie. It's not particularly flowery or like over dramatic or anything, but it does feel. When I think of Stardust Reverie, I think of Marisa being like very entranced by like meteor showers and like astronomy in general and just like looking through a telescope at the stars and just being absolutely enchanted by that. I really like that. Yeah. I mean, that is basically the point of spell card titles to tell yeah. something about the character. It's also just the point of spell cards. Titles are just a part. Um, it really is hard to think of titles like off the top of your head. Yeah. See, that's why I thought that this question would be better suited for when we've had time to like actually really think about it instead of just dropping it on everyone. But well, we can like get back to it. Yeah, yeah let's do that. Let's just can. do a revisit. We already had some good ones, but we can all do our research. Is there anything else that we wanted to talk about aside from just like, you know, check out chidekiden.tumblr.com, loves doing great work on it, <laughs> or will be doing great work once there's more than one chapter. Not that you're not doing yeah. great work. <laughs> <laughs> great work has been done on it and will be done again yes yeah. uh, 
as mentioned, I'm also doing the other like serialized doujins that are coming in the same web edition of Strange Creators as Jurekiden, which are still just doujins, but I think it's the first time that we're having like monthly serial doujins. Yes. Which puts them in a weird like limbo of obviously they're still doujins and Zun isn't writing them. But they're gonna be like the most prominent dojins around by definition. They're like basically endorsed dojins. Idolatrized even. <laughs> yeah. especially, especially considering that one of them is done by Azuma Aya. Yeah, we'll probably be talking more about those later too. I'm also posting the links to those on the same Tumblr. Yeah, so check that out. We'll have a link in the description. Don't think there's anything more to say. I think that's it for this week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This has been Outlet World Occultism. We'll have you again whenever. <laughs> yeah, our, our <coughs> schedule is kind of whatever right now, so that's very appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about saying week, but then I stopped myself. By the time this comes out, it will probably be a little bit more than once a week on releases. <laughs> yeah. That's Which, you know, that also makes it inaccurate to say next week. Look, we get to decide what a week is on this show. <laughs> we are in space, orbiting Earth. The regular pattern of the rising and falling of the sun does not track with the human, you know, sense of time anyway. So I get to say what a week is, and sometimes they're longer than others because I have to commute down to take a legal exam. <laughs> yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> I am the supreme ruler of the week. We are going out now. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>